last week, we looked at a biblical understanding of sanctification. What is sanctification? Why do we need it as children of God already saved? Because we realize that after the point of salvation, we're not done. Uh, I know that's not a theological surprise necessarily to any of us, but I think at the same time that if we do some self-assessment, we realize that sometimes our responses to life and our own understanding of, of how we um, respond in, in the moment of, of life gives us, um, well, we can, we can actually kind of see that that is expressed in our responses as we respond to those various circumstances. So even though we realize we need sanctification, sometimes our, our actions and uh, our, our conduct in the midst of, of life's circumstances kind of betray the fact that we actually think, ah, oh, man, I should be done. But Dr. Johnson last week helpfully defined sanctification as the work of God by which we bring our thoughts, our feelings, our words, and actions into increasing conformity with the image of Jesus dying more and more to sin and living more and more to righteousness for the glory of God. That's a lofty thought. It's an, it's an exciting thought. And it's a necessary thought since it's obvious to all of us uh, that uh, we aren't totally like Christ right at the moment of salvation. Rather, we need to grow into that and engage in the process of that. It is, as we heard last week, becoming in practice what we are in truth. And none of us ex is exempt from that need unless you're perfectly holy in practice, in which case you actually need to talk to somebody around you to find out the truth, and we can have another conversation. But how does that process then of sanctification get carried out? Is sanctification something that we do uh, all on our own? Is it individual? You know, it's kind of a, an individual event that can be completed at uh, Starbucks with our Bible and our coffee and maybe Instagram on our phone, and that's, that's how we uh, pursue sanctification. Or, or is, it, <clears throat> is it something that can, we can do while we're separated by a computer screen from the church body? And those, um, that's a, those are phenomenons these days. You know, the, 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 the idea that we can complete the entirety of the Christian journey in isolation is kind of a, a prevalent notion uh, made worse by the recent situation that the world has gone through. And sanctification can be partially pursued and partially fulfilled in those contexts. All right, there is growth to be had with the Bible. Coffee is optional, but I think it helps. Okay, there's, there's growth to be had in those situations, and there's growth to be had by listening to a sermon online or by um, you know, being sick and attending a service virtually or wh whatever you want to call that, but only partially. It's not an entire, it's not everything that God has designed it to be. Biblically speaking, sanctification is an event set within the context of the church community, Okay? Sanctification, the growth into the image of Christ, the becoming in practice what we are in truth, is an event that God has designed to be set within the context of a church community. And soul care, as we're discussing, 
is a practice that's needfully carried out by one another to one another in addition to our own individual pursuit of it. This is a calling, one that Robert Kellerman describes this way. It's our calling to remind one another daily of the wisdom, beauty, and power of Christ's gospel of grace. Our role as biblical soul caregivers is to remind broken people of this gospel script. We're soldiers in a battle, standing back to back as spiritual friends, speaking God's truth in love. We provide grace relationships of compassion and present grace narratives with discernment using the weapon of truth, God's Word. See, I know that I personally would not be the Christian that I am today I would not be the person that I am without believers and especially some of you in my church family speaking into my life and caring for my soul, rebuking me for my sin, encouraging and instructing me in righteousness, setting an example for me to pursue, encouraging me when I'm I'm weak in my faith. I have needed that and I still need that. Because I'm too blind to my own weakness, I'm too prone to self-righteousness, I'm too prone to rationalization, and I'm too weak in my own faith at times to press on in progress on my own. And I think we all are. But to truly persuade you of the importance of community for believers, for this sanctification process, let's look to God's Word. Look at the Hebrews 12 with me real quick. Hebrews chapter 12. Look at some of the, both the explicit words and phrases and then some of the <coughs> implicit truths in this passage. <coughs> Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 12. He's speaking to the body as a whole, and in a, in a, in a second-person plural imperative, which you would understand from our Tennessean pastor, who means y'all, okay? Therefore, y'all, strengthen the hands that are weak. And the knees that are feeble and make straight paths for your feet so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. And what he's talking about there is we are as a church body a body. And as a body there are at times joints that are weak. There are at times as a body a foot that is lame or a a limb that is is strained and on the verge of, of irreparable damage or uh, you know, being broken, or to continue the body of the uh, the, the analogy of the body, you know, a, a, a muscle that's been strained is um, is subject to tear if you overexert it, right? And so that's what he's saying here: is look, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. You all together as a body look to each other, make straight paths for your feet, so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Then he says again, y'all pursue peace with all men and continuing that you all pursue idea together the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. You hear that? The pursuit of sanctification for the sake of each one of us eventually seeing the salvation of the Lord is a corporate pursuit. In the context of one another and with one another, we pursue sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. And then he makes it all the more explicit. He says, see to it 
you all, that no one, in parentheses, around you, comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled, and that there be no immoral or godless person like Esau, who sold his own birthright for a single meal. But what should that actually look like? How should that actually play out? Thankfully, God's word is not silent. He values this process enough to helpfully chart the course for us a bit. But before we continue, let's pray. Lord, we come to you and ask for your grace. We come to you ask for the work of your spirit in our midst, that your word, your truth <laughs> would, um, would ring so clearly and with such a, a weight in our hearts and in our souls and our minds that, that we are changed that we are encouraged, that we are spurred on in this life together. Drive it home for us, we pray. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> Struggling with a little bit of a cough. Mine's way worse than Pastor Rick's. So, um, All right. So first off, we want to consider this morning God's design for the biblical soul care giving in our corporate life. What does God design that to look like as we seek to give soul care, as we seek to care for one another in the midst of our corporate life? Look at Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to read a couple passages and then we're just going to draw some principles from those. Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14, says, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And then here's the reason that he prays. That he, the Father, would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you all may be filled up to all the fullness of God. <clears throat> Flip over a chapter and look in chapter 4, verses 11 to 16. We see that God there in verse 11 gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but... Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Those are amazing passages. And so from them, what can we see about God's design for biblical soul care giving in our corporate life together? What is 
If we can answer this question, what is the Lord's intention for our life together as brothers and sisters in Christ? If we can answer that question with any sort of clarity, then we have, we have, we have fabulous marching orders, right? Because anytime you can say, what does the Lord say? And you can answer that with his word, then we better set about doing it. Because God redeemed us to be his children, to follow him, to obey him, to honor him, to glorify him by <clears throat> doing what he says. So first, first off, what we can see here is that this is communal. Okay, this, this biblical soul care giving is communal. It is with the saints, as he says in verse, chapter 3, verse 18, may be able to comprehend with all the saints. You see the context there? That this is in the midst of the assembly that God does his work. Chapter 4, verse 16, tells us that this is an endeavor in which we, that is, you all are to be involved. You all are joints supplying something that is necessary for the growth of the body. You all are parts of the body that are working to do something vital for the growth of the church, for each other's good, for my good, for the good of the church. <clears throat> you can flip it on its head and say that if that is what God has designed you and I to be, then if you and I are not seeking to provide care for one another, then somebody is lacking in the ministry that you are supposed to provide. Because God, as we've heard earlier in Ephesians, is fitting us all together. There's not like a brick that's over here, you know, that, 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 that Frank Smith is just sort of on his own as a brick outside of the house. No, no, when God saves each one of us, he takes the brick and he puts it into the house. And, and, and then to, to change the analogies, he puts us as body parts together into a body to be doing ministry together to one another. And so if you're not doing ministry, then somebody's lacking in ministry that is supposed to be happening to them. There is an encouragement that is missing. There is a conviction that is not being said. There is a, a, a rebuke that is not being given. There is a, a compassionate and a comforting shoulder that is not being lent because it is communal. All right, and for the sake of the good Johnson name, I'm going to try and move really fast through this stuff. Right, Dr. J? Okay. Second, so that's first, it's communal. Second, it's anchored and empowered by Christ and the Spirit. In chapter 3, the, the anchor of Paul's prayer for the people is that Christ dwelling in your hearts through faith. And that as they know the love of Christ, things would happen. And that they'd be strengthened with power through His Spirit. Chapter 4 in verse 16 says, From whom the whole body then does its work. And who's the from whom? Well, that's Christ. Christ as the head is, is sending out, is doing His ministry. So it's from whom? From Christ. Every joint does its work. Every limb does its work. You and I do our work through Christ through the power of the Spirit. And so it's important to remember those things as we seek to do ministry to one another. We cannot anchor or empower our counsel 
or our biblical soul care giving or our interactions with one another, we can't anchor those things and we can't seek to derive power in those things from our own wisdom or from our own efforts or from our own energy. Okay, this is crucial. It's easy sometimes to, to, to think, well, I have to do this or if I just do it right or I didn't do it right enough or I need to give my wisdom there, but that's, that's not it. It's through Christ and through His Spirit. And so we must constantly, this is why it's biblical soul care, this is, we must constantly point people towards the truth of Christ in God's Word. We must constantly point each other towards the person of Christ, and then we have to dependently wait for the Spirit to use that connection to Christ in ever-increasing ways for change and growth and comfort. Okay? We have to remember it's not our power. It's not our wisdom. It's not our anecdotes. It's not our own words. But it's our ability to help connect them to Christ. And then through that connection, the Spirit works a change. Works growth. Works encouragement. Works conviction. Works change. But please, 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 please realize that when you care for others, that is Christ working through you to them. Literally. Okay? And that's marvelous. That is marvelous. Think, think about that. Next time you're faced with, with a, a brother or sister sitting for you at coffee or a care group or here in the, not a pew, the chairs, <clears throat> and there's, there's something going on, and you're faced with a choice. You're faced with a choice to either kind of punt, you know, defer, or to engage. Just remember that in that moment, you have the opportunity to be Christ's ministry to that person because that's what he designed it. That's what he, as the head, is doing. He's saying, you are my way of giving love to each other. That's amazing. But then on the flip side, please realize also that when someone tries to care for you, that is Christ working through them to you. I don't know, sometimes it's easy for us to sort of like, try to put up these shields or to put up a facade or to, or to just sort of, or even just to reject counsel and encouragements and especially when it comes to admonition and rebuke. And yet this is how Christ ministers to his people, through his people. And that's a treasure. So third, biblical soul care, care caregiving in our community is a ministry that is expected of all of us. Okay, and this is a little bit similar to what we've already talked about, but it's each one of you. Ephesians chapter 4, we see in verse 11 and 12, he gave some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. And there's not a one of you that is exempt from this. If you are a blood-bought, redeemed child of God who has put your faith in the death and resurrection and the atoning work of Jesus Christ, 
then this is you. And we, as leadership, are intended, are given by Christ to you to equip you for the work of service unto the building up of the body of Christ. And so the leadership from elders <coughs> to care group leaders, we seek to equip you through sermons, through Sunday school lessons, through uh, Wednesday night and other theological teaching, through individual counsel, through care group discussions and prayers. Those are, those are ways in which we try to equip you for growth and for the work of the ministry that God calls you to do. And so you have to avail yourself of those avenues so that you're ready to give biblical soul care. And we'll talk more about growing in that capacity in a few minutes. Fourth, the goal and result of this care is, is to be maturity and stability. Chapter 3, verse 19 says that you may be, here's the, one of the ends, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. That's in your character. That's in your holiness. Chapter 4, verse 13 to 16. I just need to read it again so that you can see the end game, the end of the process of what we are to be about as a church body. It says, until, okay, so he, we're equipping the saints, they're building up one another, the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. It's like he couldn't figure out enough ways to say growth and, and wholeness and maturity. And then as a result, we're no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in all aspects, the totality of our lives, into Him who is the head, even Christ. That's amazing. So when we care for one another through <laughs> instructing, admonishing, comforting, helping, counseling, uh, encouraging, rebuking, these are all means by which the Lord grows you and me, matures us, and stabilizes us. <clears throat> and yet, it seems like, to me at least, that in my own heart and in the responses of those around me at times, that those things are rejected or stiff-armed at the time when we need them most. You know, we're all happy to talk about the Lord and the truth of the Lord when things are going hunky-dory. And then sometimes when we're just in a real wrestling match, I see, I, 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 I experienced this even in my own self-counsel the other day. I, had, I, was, I was doing yard work and I responded with impatience and a harsh word to one of my kids. And, and I didn't want to hear my own, my own self-counsel. I was like, hey, he, was, he deserved it. He was being a punk. Well, you are responsible for your own reaction and your own anger and your own impatience. Why? Well, yeah, but I'm out here working hard. And I was literally, this was happening in my head. We do that with one another. In a moment of need, we are prone to say, no, I don't want that. But what we should say is, ah, you're right. I need that. Because in those moments, in the moments when we're tempted to, 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 to not trust in the sovereignty of God, when, when the world seems to be just spinning out of control around us, we need to be stabilized by one another, not push that away in the moment of intense 
personal loss and grief and struggle and heartache. We need to pull closer to the ministry of the church body around us and to be anchored in truth by what we can say and how we can encourage one another, not push each other away and just, and just get lost in the swirl of our own self-defeating thoughts. And so be careful, be careful to recognize that in those moments, those are the times when we need it most. And we need to recognize the end that God has designed these things to be, that when we're feeling shaky and, and unstable, that's when we need the stabilizing ministry of one another and the care that we can give. And so those times when you're feeling storm-tossed in spirit or emotions, that, that season of physical discouragement or exhaustion, the moments of recognition where you are weak in faith or even understanding, like you're prone to just be pulled hither and thither by every blog or podcast or journal article or what, whatever, those are the times to draw close to each other and to seek the soul care that will stabilize and mature you. Finally, a primary means of biblical soul care, and one of the most effective tools God has for building us all up as his house is speaking the truth in love. Chapter 4, verse 15, speaking the truth in love. This is a crucial skill for us all to learn as we care for one another. Robert Kellerman says, God's plan is that everyone in the body of Christ speaks and lives gospel truth in love so that the whole body grows up in Christ. That's a great summary. We must learn to speak. Sometimes we're prone to too much silence. We must learn to speak encouragement when it's needed, to speak admonishment when it's needed, to speak help when it's needed. And we must learn to speak in love, to speak the truth in love. This is not the only means by which God has designed that we care for one another. But it is a necessary component of holistic biblical soul care. A compassionate, listening ear, and speaking the truth in love. An empathetic, supportive presence, and speaking the truth in love. A firm and clear assessment of wrongdoing, and speaking the truth in love. Okay, we'll get more into this in particular aspects of biblical soul care throughout this series in the weeks ahead, and Pastor Rick's going to be preaching through both these portions, and so uh, you'll be getting a lot of this, but it's crucial. It's crucial because this is why God has put us together as a church body. But for the meantime, I want you just to marinate on God's plan for the care of our souls, that it's communal that it's anchored and empowered by Christ and the Spirit, that it's expected of all of us, <laughs> that it's aimed towards maturity and stability, and that it's practiced by speaking the truth in love. But if you're a <clears throat> normal Christian, you might say, well, I don't know. That, I kind of doubt whether that's for me. Maybe I'm not really qualified to do this. Maybe it's better if those kind of conversations, those, those hard, awkward, or, or even just difficult because you need to apply the Bible to life conversations, it's better just to go ahead and call an elder or call a pastor. And I hope to dissuade you from that. 
by a 15-minute look on God's design for the caregivers in corporate life. All right? You and me. We're going to look at two passages and see what God wants each of us to now be as caregivers in the midst of that plan that God has for the caregiving being dispensed throughout our church. Is it that we all have to go out and we've got to earn our PhDs in, in theology or counseling? No. Is it that we all be licensed and ordained for ministry? No. Is it that you have to be elderly or prematurely gray-haired? No. All right, look at Romans. Romans chapter 15. Look at what Paul says to the entire church <laughs> at Rome. Romans chapter 15, verse 14. And concerning you, my brethren, so here he's just, he's just generically addressing the whole church body. He says, I myself also am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able also to admonish one another. That word admonish one another is is the, the word that is kind of like the, the foundational word for counseling and helping one another, like Hebrews 12 said, to fix what is lame, to, to strengthen what is weak. Okay? This is the addressing of truth to the mind and heart and soul of one another so that we are strengthened and encouraged and convicted and spurred on in the midst of pursuing Christ and life together. So we can see here that God wants us Okay? To have character. We're going to see that character plus content plus community, that's the qualification. That's the capability. Okay? That will result in capability. You do not need a PhD. You do not need an MDiv. You do not need gray hair. You do not need anything except what God lays out for us here. Those things can be helpful, but you don't need them. He wants us to have character. He says to the Romans, I'm convinced that you yourselves are full of <laughs> goodness. Now, in Matthew 19, 17, we see that Jesus himself says, look, there's only one that's good. Okay, God is the epitome of goodness. And so I think when he's saying that you're full of goodness, he's saying, look, you are, you are godly people. You have the character that is demonstrative of the work of the Spirit, of a life of pursuing Christ. It's fleshing out in your attitudes, in your words, in your actions, in your treatment of one another. And that character <clears throat> is a demonstration of their godliness. The Romans had godly character. God wants us to have content. He looks at me and says, I'm convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness and you're filled with all knowledge. Now, this is not knowledge in the sense of you can solve all physics problems. You know, you can trace the history of the development of the Greco-Roman civilization and so you're all, you're all good there. It's not those types of things. This is knowledge that leads to counsel and care. This is knowledge of a depth and a breadth of God's will and His Word that then can inform life. Okay, so the Romans had 
a character, a character of godliness, a character of goodness. The Romans were filled with a knowledge, with the right kind of knowledge, with a knowledge of, of God's truth and God's word such that it could inform their lives. And then they had community. That's inherent in the word one another. You can't care for one another if you're not around one another. But God wants you to care for one another. Therefore, be around one another. It's pretty simple. Be around one another, though, in such a way that it enables you to get to know one another and both give and receive this kind of care. So join a care group. Join a Bible study. Meet up for coffee. Meet up for lunch. Invite church members over for dinner. Be in community. Kellerman, who, who I'm pulling these quotes from a book that is actually about biblical counseling, helps to destroy the false idea of professionalism in this regard with this quote. He says, that's why when we talk about biblical counseling and the local church, and I, I love this, this is what we want, we are not talking simply about a church with a biblical counseling ministry. Those are all well and good, but that's not what we're talking simply about. No, we are talking about a church of biblical counseling. That is, God, please give this to us. That is a church saturated with people who live and speak gospel truth to one another before church, at church, after church, away from church, in the car, at the restaurant, at work, in the neighborhood, at the sporting event, and in the midst of conflicts. So you see, instead of being willing to eat green eggs and ham anywhere, we should be able to provide biblical soul care anywhere, anytime, to one another. Those three ingredients then, those three ingredients of character, of content, and community add up to competency. You are able to instruct. You're able to counsel. You're able to adjust one another's minds and thinking in such a way that we're each then changed and shaped into godliness. And so we all need to take a look at ourselves. We need to ask ourselves, <clears throat> where in my character, where in my content, what I know, where in my community do I need to grow so that I can be more competent to obey the Lord and build His house through biblical soul care? If you realize, ah, you know what, I have this one area in my life that's keeping me from being effective in this and I need to then put it off and put it on. Put off the, the wrong and put on the right. Just you know what I'm talking about. Because those are the things that we need. We need godly character. We need goodness. We need a knowledge of God's word and God's will and God's way such that it leaks out and actually has bearing in our own practical living, but then also can be used to adjust and guide and inform the practical living of one another. And then we need to actually be in community. We need to be around one another with enough time and enough awareness and enough care and intentionality that these things can be played out. And that's what you need. You don't need a PhD, you don't need a license, and you don't need gray hair. And so just seek to grow in those areas. Gray hair, by the way, is not just an instant qualification in these things. So take that for what it's worth. 
But we all need to seek to grow in those areas and watch the Lord then. Watch the Lord use you. Watch the Lord work through His Spirit in the life of the people around you in just amazing ways. Ways that will cause you to just sit back and give thanks and praise in prayer to a God who is real and to a God who works. Enjoy the eternal you get, to, you get to look at those types of things and, and, and realize, man, that is eternal spiritual fruit that I'm witnessing. Those are the things that resonate into eternity because you are seeking and having an impact in a positive and edifying way upon the bride of Christ. Remember those trophies of grace? But we also... You need to realize at least one more thing this morning. God's design includes not only character, content, and community, but also this experience and expression. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We need to grow in those things that we just discussed, but we also need to realize that <coughs> sometimes God does the equipping to us in ways also. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It says in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we can get out of the affliction and feel better. No, 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 no. So that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. So you see the experience? You go through something, anything. You go through something, God ministers to you. You walk that path. You experience the ministry of the Spirit and the ministry of the body, and you learn those lessons, whatever they may be, whichever circumstance you find yourself in. Why? Because God is equipping you to give soul care to one another so that you can then give an expression, that expression of care to others. See, that's what Paul said. Hey, God comforted us so that we will be able to comfort those. And we give them the comfort that we have experienced from God. So you experience it, and then you express it. And so anything that you're going through, you can realize that there are others who are going to be walking that path later on. And as God ministers to you, you can realize, I'm going to be able to share that ministry, to express that ministry to someone else <clears throat> and to share the lessons that I am learning <laughs> and have learned, and to give comfort that you've received, to help bear burdens that you are currently feeling or have felt. So as painful as they can be, our hard times, okay, our, our difficult situations, our struggles and our burdens and our pain and our discomforts are all, at least in part, God equipping us to care for others at a future time. Walking through those difficulties helps qualify you to render biblical soul care. 
and it should be received and embraced as such. We've all experienced that, right? Perhaps it's a miscarriage, and somebody who has walked through that is able, because of that grief and because of that pain, to be able to come and say, hey, I understand your pain. I understand that loss. I have felt that. I know what that is. Can I share with you some of the ways that God ministered to me in and through that situation? I want to encourage you with that. I want to bear your burden. Let's pray. You see how poignant that is? I've experienced it, and I'm going to express it to you and with you through this time. That's just one example. So hopefully this has convinced you that you are all called to this wonderful privilege and responsibility of caring for one another at the very deepest level of life. I love, I love looking around and seeing our church care for one another through baby showers and wedding showers and visiting in the hospital and providing meals for those in need and, 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 and doing yard work for those that need help and helping with moving ministry and all that kind of stuff. I love that. But we're also to care for our souls, for the hurts, the pains, the weaknesses, the struggles with God's truth ministering to one another at the deepest level in those sorts of ways. And so hopefully you see the ways in which you can, can, can grow and embrace the equipping God offers each of you to be able to fulfill that role. And I want you to just go back and think about this one more time. As you and I each fulfill our roles in this, all right, and, and to me this is one of the most amazing and empowering thoughts. As you and I seek to embrace and live out our roles that God calls us to in this, Christ is working as the head of our church through us. From whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Just, just pray on that, think about that, chew on that, and, and, and watch the Lord work in those ways. Next week, Dr. Johnson is going to be teaching on getting to the heart issues in soul care. I'm looking forward to that and hope you are too. Let's pray. Lord, I am amazed by your ministry to me. <laughs> To save someone like me and then to be gracious enough to give me brothers and sisters who are <laughs> willing to care in this sort of a way. Thank you for providing a church body, for designing it in such a way that it is the expression of your care and your ministry to one another. Lord, help us to grasp these things, to take them seriously, to rejoice in the eternal weight of actually carrying this out Give us eyes to see the work of the Spirit as we seek to exercise these things. And please, Lord, grow our church body all the more. There are just amazing and encouraging ways that this is expressed already. But, Father, please grow our church body even more. Give us intentionality to, to grow in the ways that we need to grow and in the, the ways that we can pursue the expression of this ministry. In Jesus' name, amen.